This is Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. It's powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To get an extended 30-day trial, visit shopify.com slash masters. Hey, entrepreneurs, my name is Felix, and I'm the host of the Shopify Masters podcast. Each week, we put out podcast interviews with successful e-commerce entrepreneurs or experts to give you inspiration, motivation, and actionable tips to increase your traffic and sales so your store can generate the sales you need to live the life you want. In the last episode, Tanya Dalton from InkwellPress.com explains how she promotes lead magnets using Facebook to build a seven-figure business. On today's episode, you'll learn from an entrepreneur that uses style quizzes to convert customers and collect highly useful customer data. In today's episode, you'll learn how to start a rental business, how to create a quiz to convert customers, and how to find and work with high-quality interns. Today, I'm joined by Brittany Haas from HappilyEverBorrowed.com. Happily Ever Borrowed is a luxury e-commerce site that rents bridal accessories to brides and was started in 2011 and based out of New York City. Welcome, Brittany. Hi, nice to talk to you. Yeah, excited to have you on. And I was just discussing with you very quickly before we got on about how this is the first, I think, first uh, guest I've had on that that rents products. So I think it's going to be really interesting. So tell us a little bit more about your about your store and how it all works. Sure. So Happily Ever Borrowed, as you mentioned, started in 2011. Um, we rent bridal accessories to brides for their wedding day. So everything from veils to headpieces to tiaras everything except the dress, basically. And how we operate is we uh, buy directly from the wholesale designers, just like any other brick and mortar store would, um, except instead of selling the product to the brides, we rent the product to the brides. So we offer four or eight day rentals and we prepare the brides for their wedding day um, by, you know, saving money and, and spending less on all of their bridal accoutrements. Mm, yeah, it makes sense. I'm actually in the process right now of uh, planning a wedding. My wedding's in November, so uh, definitely understand <laughs> the, yeah, thanks. You definitely understand the need to uh, keep uh, an eye on the cost. So I think you're definitely in a, in a, in a good place just from a uh, you know, potential customer talking to you. Um, so how did you uh, come up with this idea? How did you um, recognize that there was a need for something like this? So I was in college and I was actually a fashion design major and at Cornell University. And while I was there, my sisters started to get engaged. I'm the youngest of four girls, so lots of sisters, lots of weddings. Mm -hmm. um, and as I was kind of shopping around with them, realized kind of the, the low quality and high prices of bridal gowns, basically. And when I saw how expensive these gowns were and, you know, upwards of my sister's ranges was $2,000, $3,000 on one gown that you're wearing for, you know, five to six hours mm -hmm. of your life. Uh, after that, they would need a veil and the jewelry and the sash and all of these extra pieces kind of add an additional $1,000 or more onto the total cost of their wedding day outfit. So you know, I kind of put it in the back of my head of, you know, this doesn't really make sense. And it was when I graduated, it was right around the time of kind of the tech bubble in New York and Rent the Runway and Birchbox and all these female entrepreneur Harvard HBC startups were happening. And, you know, I just started thinking about the process and decided to to start online with accessories. And 
here we are today, five years later. Yeah. So did you always have the intention of um, renting or did you start off selling products or what was it from the beginning you knew that you wanted to to do rentals? We definitely started with the idea of rentals. Um, you know, I my career otherwise has been in the luxury fashion industry and, and I can understand the, the concept of buying something like a purse or shoes that are really expensive and, you know, you can kind of get your cost per wear down because you feel like it's this piece that you're buying that you're going to wear for your life. Um, but when bridal came around, it was really shocking to me that women were spending so much money on something that really they could only wear for a couple hours of their life. Um, so rental was definitely always the concept. Um, however, we did start with an idea of doing bridal gowns in a brick and mortar store and renting that way. Um, so I actually started the business with one of my very good friends in college. Her name was Haley Page. She's actually a big bridal designer these days. Um, but she and I kind of conceptualized together because we were designing in college together and thought we could do rental gowns because, you know, we knew how to design the dresses and we knew how to fit the dresses and, you know, change the patterns and, and pick out the things that would make it easy to to rent and to size. Um, and then we thought about the startup costs. And like I said, it was right around the time when this tech bubble was starting. We thought e-commerce was the way to go. And we decided to go with the non-sizable option of, uh, you know, veils and accessories instead. Mm, makes sense. So, you know, the last thing you want whenever you start a business is to have, you know, a ton of inventory and then try to hustle to offload it or in your case, start renting them out. So how did you get started? Did you have a large inventory, large catalog at first or, you know, give us the idea, give it, tell us a little bit more about like, I guess the beginning stages of uh, creating like, I guess, a catalog for people to rent from. Yeah, well, I mean, the original idea, you know, started and we really had to talk to the bridal designers themselves and get an idea of if, it was something they were really even interested in. So we sent a lot of, you know, cold emails to designers that we didn't know and just asked them to discuss the concept. And shockingly, so many designers were willing to talk to us, like um, Reem Akra and Angel Sanchez and all these great bridal designers. And we just kind of went in there and started talking about different ideas that we had. And, um, you know, everyone was kind of on board with the idea that bridal was kind of antiquated and needed to change. So, um, you know, I think we started more in a way that was more traditional in the sense that we were purchasing inventory upfront, um, you know, stocking it in our apartments um, and really kind of picking what we thought that brides would love and like. And over time, I've kind of shifted my buying style into, um, really kind of testing the market before we really purchase the product. So most of our brides are, are not renting their product, um, you know, days before their wedding. Most of the time it's about two mm -hmm. to three months out. So we'll put a lot of images up on the site of product that we're not physically owning. Mm -hmm. uh, and then once we receive a rental on it, we'll purchase the product from the designer. So uh, we're saving ourselves a bit that way and not actually purchasing the inventory upfront. Yeah, that, that's great that your business almost has a built-in um, lag time in it where you don't have to purchase the the uh, inventory right off the bat because these uh, people that are customers that are buying or, sorry, renting from you don't expect the products until two or three months after they put in their purchase. Exactly. 
Mm, that's that's cool. Uh, so when you uh, you know started to build this this catalog, you said that uh, you weren't testing it out initially at first. So what was your process behind that? Were you just kind of buying whatever you thought that the market wanted, going off of your own intuition, or what was the process for that? Yeah, I mean, I think bridal is is great in the sense that it's not quite like the fashion industry where things change every six months. Bridal trends, you know, they they change over time, but you know if Obviously, Felix, maybe this isn't your forte, but if you think about, um, you know, the past 10 years of, of bridal style, like strapless dresses were in for the longest time until Princess Kate got married and then all of a sudden sleeves were back in. But I mean, it took like 10 years for the, the style to really change. So we're lucky in the sense that things evolve a little bit more slowly in the bridal industry versus the fashion industry. So, you know, we, we try to keep ahead of trends and Something that we've done recently now is we implemented um, a style quiz that we created and we just made a type form basically and, you know, had brides kind of pick pictures, different images of things that they liked or didn't like um, to evaluate what their bridal style was, whether it was more classic or boho or beachy or glamorous. Um, and based on the responses that we got is helping us really figure out what trends are really happening with brides. And then this way we can kind of focus the pieces that we're purchasing better or even the images that we're putting on the site better. Um, and we've even categorized it on the site so that based on the, the response that you get on the quiz, um, you can kind of shop by your style. Mm -hmm. So we're really kind of trying to, to be smarter about how we're buying and, and really basically kind of pulling our, our customers before we're even purchasing the product. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely want to talk about your style quiz in a bit. I think it was a very, when you told me about it, I think it's a very smart way to not just get data from your customers, but also help them out at the same time. We'll dive into that in a second. Uh, so I want to talk about getting your first customers though. So once you had this inventory built out, what was the marketing plan early on? Like, How were you able to start actually getting some revenue, some sales through the door? I think, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, earlier bridal is is a little bit behind the times when it comes to technology and it's it's sped up a little bit over time but five years ago even um it was basically you know when you got engaged the first thing you did was you ran to you know the newsstand and bought every bridal magazine you could because there was that's the first time that you're you're actually allowed to not feel shamed for buying bridal magazines without being engaged um so, and it's shocking, but I mean, a page in a bridal magazine is, you know, 10 grand, couple, couple dozen grand uh, to get in there. So, um, you know, we had to be a little bit more creative on how we got the word out. So we did a lot of, you know, just pushing to every bridal editor we could find. We did a lot of research and, and just kind of pushed the concept out there. And, and we were really lucky because a lot of those designers that we had talked to early on were really helpful in connecting us with editors of bridal magazines and bridal blogs. And, you know, even as, as five years ago, as soon as five years ago, there weren't as many bridal blogs as there are now. Um, so because we were basically e-commerce, we really tried to push um, on blogs and editorial and really get the word out that way. Um back then. It's mm -hmm. actually even before Instagram or Pinterest even existed. So it was <laughs> it was really uh, early on kind of in, in the tech space to, to get the word out. So it was pretty grassroots. Yeah, definitely makes sense. So was this something that you were working on at that time too? Was it a part-time or did you dive in full-time focusing on this? Like how did you, how did this fit into your, your, your lifestyle at that time? 
Yeah, it was it was part time. I at the time was a fashion buyer at Saks Fifth Avenue, um, and honestly was really kind of excited by all of the the tech industry that was happening in New York. And I spent a lot of my time going to meetups just basically to talk to people to see what they were doing to get ideas to to learn how to online market because you know I was a little bit better versed in the financials and the buying process but wasn't as creative when it came to marketing so I really kind of just had to get out there and and learn from other people how to really do this um, and at that time right before we launched um, my friend Haley who I mentioned who I'd started the business with got offered to get her own line, which is what she has now. Um, and because that was going to be full time for her and she was already in the bridal industry, it was a bit of a conflict of interest. So, um, right. Like basically the month before we launched the site, she, she stepped out. So it became just me part time. Um, and actually still I'm, I'm moonlighting. This is a uh, happily ever borrowed is done on nights and weekends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of listeners out there can, can certainly relate uh, to to moonlighting their their business. Um, when you when you started early on, you said that you went to these meetups to learn a little bit more about uh, online marketing and just I guess the tech uh, scene in general. Uh, what was your I guess how did you um, how did you as work these networking events? Because I think this is also another uh, sometimes underutilized um, aspect, just going offline and meeting people in person. Tell us a little bit more about your experience and what you got out of meeting people in person at these uh, tech meetups? Yeah, I mean, I think especially being kind of on the outside, I, I didn't really know what to expect. And I I knew that I needed help and insight from other people to really get this started. And, you know, I think for anyone who knows what it's like to start a business kind of on the side, it's exhausting to work a full day, you know, try to work on your startup at the same time. And then at 6 p.m., be ready to go out and kind of, put yourself out there and talk to people and and just get ideas. And, um, you know, I, I forced myself to go to at least, I don't know, three to four meetups per week. Um, and really just kind of learn and talk to people because I, I honestly had no idea what it meant to start an e-commerce site or, you know, from everything from coding and, you know, Shopify was really great and that I didn't need to know too much code, but, you know, even five years ago, Shopify, there was a lot that you had to, to figure out on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really just, I can't express how invaluable it was to just talk to people because every night you met at least one person who gave you a tidbit of something that you didn't know before. Um, and even if it was something that you maybe wouldn't use, it was at least something that you knew you didn't have to do going forward. Um, so I think it's like a really great way to talk to people, to learn from them, especially when you're not as well versed in the industry. Yeah, you know, when you do go out and you're trying to, especially someone in your situation, like you're saying, you were on the outside and there's just, I'm sure you felt this too at the time, there's just so much to learn, so many things that you don't even know you don't know what well, did you have an, a certain approach to to trying to learn this whole new industry that you know you're I guess at that time you were you know, relatively clueless in like how did you approach uh figuring out what you had to actually learn I think there was different stages that I went through to to figure out what I needed to really know so for instance at the beginning when we still thought we were going to do a brick and mortar store with bridal gowns, we knew we would have to raise capital. So I went to a lot of meetups or um, even classes at General Assembly 
um, I think they had just opened at the time on how to raise capital, how to talk to angel investors, how to really navigate that whole part of the industry, which again is something that obviously I knew nothing about. Um, and I think, you know, after I kind of got through that, then it became the phase of building the website, the different resources you could use for that, and then transitioned into online marketing and how to read Google analytics and, um, how to do Facebook ads. And I think it, you know, I tried to kind of immerse myself in different meetups and different experiences as far as learning as I kind of went through the process. I think that's really important that you figured out uh, what you need to know at that particular stage because sometimes when you don't know what you're getting involved in, you kind of just spend so much time consuming information, trying to learn everything, but a lot of the stuff you learn is not going to be applicable right away. And that I think that does a couple of things that hurts you in a couple of ways. One, it's, a, it's potentially a waste of time. And two, it can kind of just get you, uh, it just looks more daunting when you have so much ahead of you. And I, I like the approach that you've taken where you figured out, okay, I'm in the fundraising stage, so let me go take some classes, let me network with people that can teach me more about this. And then when you went to more of the, the site development phase, you focus more on learning more on technical aspects. I think that's really important for a lot of, especially you don't have a lot of time or a lot of energy and you are moonlighting. It's really important that you spend your time wisely and figure out what you actually need to learn and what you can maybe hold off on learning for, for a bit. Um, so, you know, speaking of uh, moonlighting, so you've been moonlighting for, since the business started in 2011, for, for five years now. How do you, and this is, I think this is a long time to be, to be not a long time, but I think it could be a long time to be balancing multiple jobs, essentially. How do you, you know, balance your time or balance your energy to make sure that you don't burn out, especially now that you're five years into it? I mean, I definitely should be getting more sleep than I do. <laughs> Five years, as you said, it's a long time uh, to keep doing both. Um, I think, you know, over time, there has been so many moments in my life where uh, I've really wanted to either sell the company or, or you know, find a, another co-founder or someone to help pitch it more. Um, and it's, it's not going to lie, it's been rough. Um, but I think, you know, it's really helpful being the nature of my business and that, you know, we have a busy season. So there's engagement season, which is November through February, basically like Thanksgiving to Valentine's day, which are kind of those big holiday moments where people often get engaged. Um, and then there's bridal season, which is like April through September where people are actually getting married. So, um, I think over time I've, I've grown to kind of know those different seasons and know, when I'm going to be have to exert myself a little more versus when I have a little more time. And thankfully, it's kind of balanced out with my my life in the fashion industry in the sense that, you know, in the summer uh, in the fashion industry, especially I work for a French brand, uh, they're very slow. So I have a lot more time to work on Happily Ever Borrowed and I have a lot of weddings in the summer. Whereas in, you know, during Fashion Week, now that we're in the fall and, and towards winter, um, you know, it's more about marketing and not so much about orders. And I have, um, you know, less time because I'm working at my full-time job a little bit more, but, um, I'm not worried about getting packages out on time. So, um, I think that it's just been really lucky for me to ha kind of have this, uh, this natural flow between the two. Uh, I don't think it's that easy for everyone. 
Mm. Yeah, I think if you do get to the stage where you are thinking about selling the business or trying to find a co-founder, uh, those are kind of precarious times because then you start thinking, once that thought enters your brain, you start thinking, man, my life could be different, maybe in a good way, maybe in a bad way, if you you know, sell the company or find someone else to help you run it. So when you're going through these periods of time where you are, kind of, I guess, kind of a little more checked out from the business, kind of a little more checked out from entrepreneurship, what did you do to, to bring yourself back in? Well, I think the order is bringing me back in, <laughs> which is I'm, I'm lucky with that. Um, and, you know, I think technology changes so quickly. And, and I think it's it's always exciting when you own your own business because there's all these other things you want to try. So, you know, as Pinterest started getting ads and as Instagram started getting ads and, you know, when type, when I realized Typeform for the style quiz, I mean, there was all these different things that happened that kind of engage me back in into the business and get me excited about how I can push forward. And, you know, even as, you know, I see the bridal industry evolving and, and people maybe not wanting to spend as much money on their wedding or, or as I see brides become more resourceful, you know, it, I think it, it, that is what inspires me to really push forward with my business. Mm, yeah, it definitely makes sense. The when customers are knocking on your door, it's a lot harder to just kind of run and hide. Uh, so, do, do you do people know that um, you can rent these kind of products, like uh, the products that the, the veils, the jewelry, the headpieces that that you're that you're putting out putting out for rentals? Is this a known, I guess, option uh, for for people that are uh, for your customers essentially, or how do you educate the market on this potential option? Well, I think. Uh, it's been great to kind of watch it evolve over time. I think in the beginning, I heard from so many people constantly, oh my God, I wish I knew about you when I was getting married. I totally would have rented. Um, and now five years later, I can say I don't hear that as much, which is, you know, good and bad. <laughs> because I think we've gotten the word out enough that it's a possibility. Um, and to be honest, we don't have many competitors, if any. Um, so, I think brides are finding us now because a, we have a lot more designers um, and some great exclusive partnerships. So if a bride feels like she either can't afford the dream accessory she wants, or she just doesn't value that one time wear item. um, A lot of the time they're kind of just Googling the name of the piece that they want and will pop up and, and they find out about us that way. Um, But we've also had a lot of great press and, you know, we, we find now that, we naturally have become one of these things on the list of, you know, 50 ways to save on your wedding. Um, and people say, you know, rent your accessories or, you know, check out pre-owned, um, options. And, and we've been kind of lucky to be uh, a staple, I would say in the business now. Mm. Yeah. I think when you do have this kind of unique business model, uh, it does make it a lot easier to pitch to, to, to the press, to these, uh, editors that you were approaching earlier on. Can you tell us a little bit about your approach? Like what was successful for you to get them to pay attention and, and, you know, eventually cover your business? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because bridal is, is tricky because you need to continually market yourself because even if, even if brides know about you, there's only so much of a lifespan, um, you know, hopefully they're not getting remarried mm-hmm. within a year or two. <laughs> so, um, you know, we don't have a lot of repeat customers, so it, it's difficult because you have to continually put yourself out there and continually kind of pay for that space to, to be in their face and know that you exist. Um, and even for editors, it's pretty tough because, 
you know, it probably feels very repetitive to them to give the same tips over and over again. But, you know, as a reminder, you have a whole new crop of people getting engaged every single year. Um, so I think it's actually been a little bit easier for us in that sense, because I think for traditional advertising or traditional editorial, um, you feel like once you've been in a specific magazine, they're probably not going to feature you for a long time. Whereas in bridal, you know, they have new subscribers every three months um, and they don't have to feel like it's an old story. It kind of becomes new again all of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so one of the things that you mentioned in some of the pre-interview uh, questions uh, was about validating new products. And you mentioned that many of the products on the site you first test with images. And then it, and then how does it work after that? Like, how do, you, how do these images that you post on a site prior to having it available in your inventory, how do they help you determine if it's worth investing in the particular piece or a particular line? Yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll post a lot of pictures from the designers that we work with on the site of things that we're not, you know, keeping in our inventory because, as we mentioned, most of the time, the lead time that we have is about two or three months before we actually have to fulfill the order. So, really, we're really lucky in the fact that we get to kind of put these images up on the site and see, you know, not only how many orders we're getting on the piece, but also we can see how much traction we're getting and. And Shopify has been really helpful because they've implemented a lot of um, tools just on the dashboard that show you how often people are looking at the product or or how that product is trending in comparison to other pieces. So um, we'll take a lot of, of care in looking at that and seeing how often people are clicking through or, or really looking at the product on deciding whether we buy it or not up front. Mm. Yeah, I guess essentially what you're doing is uh, pre-orders, right? You're getting people to pay up front and then, and then delivering at a later time. So even if this doesn't, even if a listener out there doesn't have an industry or doesn't have a business that, that allows them to take the money and then the customer not expect anything for two to three months, you can still kind of replicate this by taking on pre-orders to determine if it's actually something worth uh, you investing your money uh, in the inventory. So you also mentioned earlier on about the style quiz and I think this is a really interesting approach that you've taken so tell us a little more about the style quiz like what does it look like and how does it work for a, an actual customer of yours yeah so we um, we started with just a type form um, I was really impressed kind of with the the UX and the UI that type form was using and that it was so clean and so simple and so easy and um, you know, basically our, our customer comes in, we, we actually, the way that we've been doing it, we can go and elaborate a little bit more later, but, uh, we've had a Pinterest ad to encourage brides to find their bridal style through the style quiz. Um, and people will click through and we have a series of pictures and different questions that say, you know, based on what you want for your wedding or, or what you think your bridal style is, click on the picture that best reflects that. Um, and it could be flowers, it could be gowns, it could be the groom style, it could be the cake, um, and a whole bunch of different things that lead them through um, different pictures and different thoughts to what they want to feel on their wedding day. And based on those series of questions and answers, it will pop up with your bridal style. Um, and once you get to the end, you kind of click through and it will bring you straight to the, the collection on the page where you can see all of the different accessories that would fit within your bridal style and kind of allows them to shop right there. Um, and as they finish the quiz, they get emailed a specific free shipping code for their order. 
Um, so, you know, it's great data for us because not only are we collecting emails, um, but we're also finding out what bridal styles are the most popular and that helps us with our buying process and, you know, which pieces we should buy going forward. Yeah, I really love this funnel, this uh, Pinterest ad to this quiz and then there's pictures and questions and then after they answer them, you give them something of value for free and then lead them to a place where they can purchase. And I'm not sure if you read this book, but this um, there's a book called Ask by Ryan Levesque, I think, and we'll put that in the show notes. But they he built in many businesses on this model of first getting question or getting a questionnaire in front of potential customers and then based on their answers giving them something of value giving them some direction on which products they should purchase from you and because you know I think uh, one of the best ways to build a, an e-commerce business a store is to replicate the offline experience as much as possible and by having this quiz it is you're essentially almost being there in person like a, like a rep at a store asking the customer a bunch of questions and then directing them to the product that makes the most sense. So I think this is a, a very valuable funnel, a very valuable approach that pretty much any business can can replicate. Um, so is this, uh, you use t- type form for this, so you can actually set up some kind of logic to determine what to show them based on their answers? Yes. Um, it took a little bit of kind of uh, manipulating. <laughs> the, the longer the quiz gets, the more difficult it becomes. But mm-hmm. actually type form was really great. They have a, a post right on their FAQs about kind of how to do that. So, um, yeah, you have to kind of figure out the the output and what the output means into what, um, kind of what they call the exit page it brings you to, but it was, it was pretty simple to set up. So when, once the, uh, the, the, the customer takes a quiz and they see the, I guess the results from, from the quiz, are they directed to a customized uh, landing page of products or like how, what, what, how do they, what do they see after they exit the, the quiz? Exactly. So um, we have it uh, collections on our, on our Shopify site that kind of shows you what type of bride you are. And once they finish the quiz, it directs them directly to that collection page so they can mm. see types of accessories that would uh, fit their bridal style. When you started off on this, and I, and I, I really want to stay on this topic, when you started doing this, and for anyone out there that's thinking about starting for the first time, how many, I guess, results do you do you need? Like, do you need like you know, twenty different potential results, or like can you start something smaller? Like, what, what was your approach? Yeah, I mean, we wanted to keep it as simple as possible. I mean, I think, of course, you could come up with many nuances of different bridal styles, but I think we have about six answers. Um, so I think, you know, even the, the type form FAQ, I think there's was maybe three or four answers that it gets you to, and we expanded it to about six or seven, but yeah, I mean, I don't think you need so many different options. Um, I think if anything, it it becomes a little clearer and and easier, the, the smaller it is. Mm -hmm. And is this like the highest converting, I guess, uh, sales channel for you to drive people from this quiz to a collections page? Well, I think, um, Pinterest in general has been the biggest sales channel for us. The style quiz has been really great for us to, as I mentioned, collect emails. And and once we do that, we have some great um, email marketing as well. But um, we were really shocked to see how amazing Pinterest ads were for us. Um, And something I actually learned from this podcast earlier, um, I can't remember which uh, episode it was with you, but someone was mentioning ads and, and how 
you should really educate the customer and kind of walk them through. There was They were mentioning like different ways to really talk to your customer and one of them was education. So one of our Pinterest ads is just how much you could save by renting instead of buying. And we have just an infographic of, you know, if you rent your veil instead of purchase it, you know, you could spend $500 by buying it or you could spend $100 by renting it. And with that extra $400, you could, you know, upgrade to first class for your honeymoon or invite four extra guests or, you know, get an extra tier on your cake. And we kind of did the budget for them of what $400 really means in the terms of your wedding. Um, and that's another ad that has just done really, really well for us because I think, you know, Pinterest in general is so great for us. Mm-hmm. It's in general for brides and maybe not even brides, but future brides, there's lots of women out there who are collecting lots of data and information for their wedding or future wedding. So even if they're not getting married within the next year, or even if they're not engaged, now they have this visual reminder on their Pinterest board of to come find us when they are engaged. So I think it's a really great way and a really great marketing tool for us um, and wedding the wedding industry in general. Yeah, definitely an, an amazing sales channel. My fiance was actually just showing me a Pinterest board today. So I think that's a great market for you guys, a great place for you to put your message out there. So I want to talk a little bit about this Pinterest strategy that you have. So it sounded like you had an ad that you run for the quiz, but then also the pinning strategy strategy that you have is to educate them through infographics. Is that the the two kind of two prong approach to Pinterest for you guys? Yeah, we we've, we've tried a lot of different things. Um, what we found is that education one and the style quiz have been the most successful for us. We tried one that was a little more generic and just kind of said, you know, happily ever borrowed is the place where you can rent accessories for ninety percent off the retail price with a pretty picture. Um, and you know, it did well, but really what we found is the style quiz is amazing because people want to find their bridal style. And I think people go on Pinterest a lot to kind of find out their style in general. So it's a very natural occurrence. Um, and then as I mentioned, the education is something that, um, people are always looking for ways, especially on Pinterest to save money on their wedding. Um, so it was a very successful pin for us. Um, and, you know, I actually took a look before I came on the podcast and we were so impressed because we did try Instagram ads as well versus Pinterest ads. Um, and the CPC for our Pinterest ads is 21 cents and the CPC for the Instagram ads was a dollar. Wow. <laughs> so the, the, it's such a huge difference. And the reach we were getting with Instagram was 16,000 and the reach we were getting with Pinterest was 46,000. So not only are we reaching more people and getting more clicks um, and more saves, but we're getting more for our money. So we really kind of immediately nixed the Instagram ads and realized that Pinterest was the way to go for us. Yeah, I think in general, I'm not, I'm not too surprised about your results from uh, the different types of Pinterest ads you ran because the more, you, the less you make an ad look like an ad, I think the more effective it's going to be. And if you're, even though it's a quiz, it's still a very much an educational angle, right? You're trying to educate, you're trying to give some free value back to the back to the the customer, and that's always the the very kind of best way to first bring them down your funnel. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit about the um, the 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 content that you create, how did you know what you should be educating your customers on? Like, how did you know that the, the particular topics that you cover were the topics that, that uh, they wanted to learn the most about? Well, I think to the point that you brought up earlier, 
do people know that they can even rent their bridal accessories? I think that was the angle we really needed to start with. And from there, also just explaining how much money they could actually save. I think a lot of people and, you know, Felix, you know this as you're, as you're planning your wedding, they don't really think about the budget. They don't really think about how much it costs until they're in it. Um, and then they realize how much it really is a financial burden. Um, and I think that's when people frantically start Pinteresting on how to save money. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, we, we really like to think of it in the big picture, right? It's, it's not about renting your bridal accessory. It's not about, you know, only having it for the weekend or, or even being environmental. It's about in the bigger scheme of things, it's about saving money, but not really saving money. It's about spending your money more wisely. So like I mentioned about, you know, you could either, you could buy this veil and own it, or you could rent it and invite two to three more guests at your wedding. And like, what does that actually mean to you? You know, like there's all these different ways that you could spend those dollars better. And it just doesn't make sense to own this piece that you will never wear again. Um, so we really wanted to get that across. And I think the infographic was the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. Do you create most infographics or was this just the one that you had uh, that, that uh, demonstrated the potential, I guess, ways they can spend their money? We've created a couple, but we, we found one that we just really loved and, and saw the best success with. And, and we've kept up with that. And was this design in-house or the, the infographic that is, was it designed in-house or did you outsource it? Um, in-house. Okay, cool. Was there a, I think this is a, a great um, a kind of piece of content for other people that, other entrepreneurs out there that might be interested in doing something like this. Any tips or any software tools that you use uh, particularly or specifically to create the infographics? Um, I guess I was, I was lucky in the sense that I went to, to school for design, so I had a little bit of background, um, but I use Photoshop for everything. Um, so I guess I'm, like I mentioned, I'm a, a little lucky cause I have some knowledge in that, but, um, yeah, Photoshop for us is just the best way. And one thing I did do was do a little research and due diligence into Pinterest ads and what the best, um, ratio was. So I guess it's, it changes all the time, but I guess longer and thinner, um, is the better way to go. So I just kind of Googled the best ratio and then made sure to, to fit our ad within that spectrum. Mm, makes sense. Uh, so uh, the, when it comes to running these ads, like, you know, if for anyone out there that, that has thinking about running on Pinterest, but has never gotten started, what kind of targeting is available? And how did you determine, you, you don't get into specifics about, but how do you determine how to target ads on Pinterest? There's a lot of different ways that they have it on there. Um, you can now specifically look by audience. So you can even kind of import your list of um, customers and either exclude or include them and find like people. We are able to be a little bit more generic and, you know, when I think pe people naturally uh, think of Pinterest and think of weddings. So um, we've been able to be really specific and not just say, you know, targeting people who are looking for weddings, but looking for wedding accessories or wedding veils or, you know, budget brides, and we've been able to really target by keyword um, and find the best mm. ways to reach those people. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Um, so when it comes to running a business like this, that's, you know, rental, a rental business, uh, there are obviously going to be more challenges that are different than someone that's just selling a product and kind of 
done with it in terms of the seller angle. But you know, these products are being used over and over again. How do you, I guess, protect yourself, or how do you ensure that your inventory is not, you know, getting damaged or or worn down faster than than you'd like? This is definitely something we've we've had to learn and deal with over time. Um, I think, you know, the the biggest hurdle for us has always been shipping. Um, it's obviously a, a very time sensitive business and, uh, not only USPS, but UPS or FedEx can always drop the ball, uh, and packages get lost and it does happen. And it's a bit of a tragedy every time it does. Um, I have to say our brides have always been very careful with their product. I think maybe only once or twice in the five years we've been up and running, have we had a bride that really ruined something and most of the time they are super honest i think every time they've been super honest and have emailed us and said you know i i we had one girl who had dyed her hair the day before the wedding and she's like the the veil is black now (laughs) (laughs) where we've had i had a girl even last week who said we had a mud accident with the veil if it doesn't come out please let me know and i will pay for the cleaning or for the veil so Our brides are very, very honest. Um, The only time I would say we've had real issues is when we lend our products out for styled shoots. So this is something that maybe is a little more specific to the wedding or, or, you know, retail industry. But a lot of the time, uh, photographers will do these styled shoots where they'll ask a whole bunch of different vendors to collaborate and, you know, they'll kind of do a a mock wedding, if you will. um, And then they send those images to different blogs or magazines for editorial. So we participate a lot in those because it's, you know, free advertising for us. And that's where I think sometimes we run into people who aren't as careful with the pieces or, or aren't treating them like the respect that they need to be treated with. So we do run into that sometimes, but I think for the most part, you know, jewelry headpieces, these are, you know, sterling silver pieces that are are pretty sturdy. I think it's the veils um, that are a little more sensitive and we kind of build that into our our P&L when we're thinking about how often we need to replenish those pieces versus these pieces like jewelry or or head pieces that can last a little bit longer. Mm, Makes sense. So you uh, mentioned, I think in the pre-interview as well, that you buy directly from the designers at, at, at wholesale prices. And, you know, typically when any e-commerce business out there, any business out there is buying wholesale. There are minimum order quantities that need to be met. Are you, do you run into these, these issues uh, when it comes to your, your, your lines? Like, are you buying large of quantities that, that you're able to get wholesale margins or wholesale pricing or how does it, how do you work out these rates? I think we've been really lucky in the sense that when we started five years ago, we created these relationships with the vendors and you know, a lot of them did have initial orders or, or order minimums that we needed to meet. And, you know, I think naturally over time, we've created this relationship with each of our vendors where they know kind of the nature of our business and, and they're not looking for us to really push for these minimum orders each month. I think, you know, they're getting that from their brick and mortar retailers. So for us, you know, and what we've explained to them and how we've set ourselves up in the market is that we are reaching those brides that they otherwise wouldn't be able to reach because those brides can't afford their product anyway. So for them, it's more, 
you know, profitable to sell to us at wholesale. You know, they're making the same margin they are on us as they are from someone else who's selling at full price because um, they're just selling it at wholesale. And, you know, they're getting more exposure because if the bride isn't able to purchase it because it's too expensive, you know, she's not probably going to take out an extra loan to purchase that piece. She's just going to do something cheaper. So for them, they're excited because more people get to wear their product and more people know about it. And did you have to convince them of this or I guess pitch that angle to them? Because I mean, it makes sense when you talk about, but I do wonder if there's kind of some old school business logic where they don't want to even entertain the idea of renting out their products because someone might, and it might eat into their, their margins, even though your explanation makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely even more so in the beginning, there was a lot of convincing and we had a lot of vendors who wanted to start with just exclusive product only things that would only be online that they couldn't get in the stores as to not compete with the brick and mortar, um, which for us, we found great. We love exclusives. So we were fine with that. Um, or certain vendors would say, okay, we'll sell you product, but only stuff that's discontinued so that it doesn't compete with the brick and mortar. And I think most of the time, nine times out of 10, the vendors we're working with realize over time that it's not competing with those brides who, who just want to purchase the piece. Um, you know, even, you know, I'm in that stage of my life where everyone's getting married, all of my friends. And, you know, I even have best friends who haven't rented from me and it drives me nuts because I'm like, how could you not borrow? Like I have, all, I have a whole entire place where you can borrow and, and they say, well, I was in the store and I bought the dress and they, they put the veil on and I just wanted it. And I wanted that specific piece in that moment and I had to have it. So, you know, there's always that feeling and that purchase is never going to go away. We're really just exposing their product to the people who, who don't want to mm -hmm. spend that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, so you, when you rent the or when you purchase these products at, at wholesale prices, how how often do you have to rent the products out before you are breaking even? Two times. Okay, so yeah, pretty pretty quickly then. So do you ever get in a situation where I guess most of your products are going to be profitable pretty quickly? Um, have there been you know after five years now have there been products that you have in your inventory that just stop? Uh, getting, I guess, as many rentals? And then what do you do in those cases? Definitely. I think, you know, at the beginning, as I mentioned, we, we had to purchase a lot more product up front. So at the beginning, there was definitely less profitability on pieces because as much as I might love something, it might not resonate with brides or it might have not photographed well and people might have not felt the same way about it. So um, now that we've kind of shifted to more of these image-focused um, purchasing patterns where we're, we're usually getting a rental straight off the bat before even purchasing the product. Um, there's definitely been times when things have slowed down or, or over time we've, we've had unprofitable product. Um, we've tried a couple of different things. We've done sample sales on the site, which haven't really worked that well for us. Um, but I think now what we love doing the most is, is we found a charity locally in New York city that, um, we'll take our products from us and, you know, it's, it's a tax write-off for us, but it's also a really great way for us to help brides who are in need. Um, so that's kind of where our unprofitable, pe unprofitable pieces, as well as our gently used pieces go, um, after they've kind of been through the whole rental cycle. 
Mm, makes sense. Um, so you mentioned uh, earlier that you were pretty much running this business uh, solo, um, but I think in the in the uh, pre-interview questions you mentioned that you have had uh, social media interns in the past. So tell us a little bit about this. Like, what what was uh, first of all, like, what, what what were they responsible for doing these interns, and and how do you begin working or finding interns to to help you with your business? Yeah, I think over time I knew that social media was one of the most important ways to get the word out. And we felt like we needed a presence on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and now Snapchat, but I'm still Mm -hmm. not wrapping my head around that one, Um, especially now that Instagram has stories. But um, we just kind of went out there. I think there was a lot of, you know, there's internship.com and there's lots of different ways that you can find interns. And I always worked remotely with them. You know, I found, especially with social media, it's so easy to schedule out and, you know, create content calendars and really encourage them to work together on a shared document to say, you know, for instance, I don't know if you know, but today is National Guacamole Day. Um, so there's <laughs> all these, that. yeah, we had some at the office today, but there are some like funny, silly holidays like that or, um, you know, more regular content like Tuesday Shoes Day on Instagram where um, we have lots of these different little things that we can put on a calendar and the intern can kind of work on to create the content and schedule it out on all of our different platforms so that um, we're on the same page about what is going out there into the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when you are working with interns or just hiring in general, uh, you also have to kind of position yourself to be attractive for these interns. You can't just say, hey, you know, I have an internship or, hey, I have this new uh, job and then expect the kind of best quality candidates to apply. Any tips on how to make your internship more attractive to, you know, higher, high quality uh, applicants? Well, I think it goes both ways, right? Like you want to help people learn and you want them to have a good experience. Um, but at the same time, you, it's always easier to have someone start up right away and and know a little bit about what, what you need them to do. So I always did a lot of sample testing before they came, became our interns. So I would ask them to kind of do a sample post or a sample Instagram, or I would ask them to send me their personal, um, social media channels so that I can kind of check out what their voice is. Um, And I think, you know, I'm always willing to help and coach them through. I think most of the people that we've had as interns, you know, while they're doing social media, probably had some interest in the fashion industry in general, um, which I have a bit of a background in. So I think, you know, kind of offering that personal mentorship and and really kind of asking them what they want to do with their career and where they want to go and how I can help. Um, is the way that you really make yourself attractive to finding good interns and wanting them to really work hard for you. Mm, Makes sense. Can you give us an idea of how successful the business is today? Sure. Um, So over the past five years, we've helped over 500 brides rent their accessories. um, And we're having a really great year this year. We're on track to do about 20K in revenue. Very cool. So what are the uh, future plans for the business? What do you have planned for the next, let's say, year of business? Well, I think we're we've been testing all of these different ad venues and we're really excited to see the return on our investment on those. Um, I think we're really excited about the inventory situation that we're in and and the fact that we're able to really collect all this data information to make better purchasing decisions. And, you know, we're just continuing to get the word out and to really let brides know that rental is a possibility. 
Mm, very cool. Thanks so much, Brittany. So happilyeverborrowed.com again is a website. Anywhere else you recommend that folks check out if they want to follow along with what you're up to or see what's available for, for, for rentals? Sure. Um, you can check us out on Instagram. We're at happilyborrowed. Um, and you can search for us on Pinterest at happilyeverborrowed. And yeah, I think those are the best channels to, to find us out. Awesome. Thanks so much, Brittany. Thank you, Felix. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com slash masters to claim your extended 30-day free trial.